Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you want to start a podcast but feel overwhelmed by post-production, I have just the tool for you. Pod Machine is an all-around podcast tool that handles all of the nitty-gritty after you record each episode. It does all of the heavy lifting for you, from audio production, podcast design, and marketing. It is the most convenient podcast tool in the market. And with the help of Pod Machine, you will sound like a pro, minus the back-breaking work. Sign up now and get a free episode trial. And once you're convinced of how good it is, you can start your membership for as low as $49.99 for four episodes per month. But wait, there's more. Use my code GREENERSIDE and you get one free episode credit upon subscribing. Head on to podmachine.com and leave the dirty work to them so that all that you have to do is the fun stuff. Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. Hi everyone! If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe for free on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Greener Side Podcast, your guide to all things immigration. And today, babalik tayo sa France. A lot of you have been requesting paano ba tayo makakapagtrabaho sa France. We have Neil Matiliano who headed to Paris in January 2016 and he has been there since. He is the head of quality assurance in a fintech company. Today, he's going to tell us all about Francis Work Visa. So, hi Neil. Maraming salamat sa pag-i-interview uh, at dito sa Greener Side. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's actually my pleasure to be part of your podcast. Mm-mm. So, Neil, bago tayo magsimula, tell us naman a bit about yourself. So, as uh, you mentioned, I'm working as the head of QA for a fintech company in Paris. And I've been in France for just over six years now. Uh, before coming to France, I actually lived in Singapore. So for almost nine years, uh, I guess. So it has been almost 14 years since I left the Philippines. <laughs> I'm originally from Negros Occidental, but I've lived in Cebu for most of my student life until 2007. That's when I left for Singapore. Back in Singapore, I was working for a French company. I wasn't actually planning to move to France because of the language, but I have wanted to move to Europe one time or another. So, so yeah. Mm, were you absorbed by your company in Singapore? I mean, to go to France? Yeah, so that was what actually happened. So going back on 2014, my boss asked me to come to France for around three to six months, so the, which was to bring a project from France to the Singapore office. It was my second business trip, but my first one was back in 2008, but it was not an entirely pleasant experience because you know, I came to France that time with zero French. And yeah. so it was at that time that I told myself, okay, uh, I would never come back to Paris, especially not to, to move here. <laughs> anyway, after the second business trip that I had, I decided to move. It was this time that I, I actually saw Paris from a totally different perspective. 
So imagine the, the shock from my boss when I came back to Singapore. And then we did a debrief about the project. And then I told him, okay, I actually want to move to Paris. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. so it was that the time when uh, I, I personally told him that I have this desire to, to move to France. And he supported you, he or she supported you, which is fantastic. And now you're there. So you, you were able to apply or you were able to go to France under a work visa. Can you tell us what rights does this work visa give its holder? In France, there are actually several working visas. So it depends on the nature of employment and the duration of your contract. In my case, I got a permanent working visa. So as I told you, when, when I told my boss, actually, there was, uh, he was shocked about me asking to move. But after the initial shock, he, he actually helped me to move to find an opportunity for me to move here. During that time, they were applying for my visa, but it's not very straightforward. The visa that I have is a permanent contract so that it's an, a local contract in France. So they need to actually publish the, the job post for around two months before they can apply for my visa. This visa eventually allows me to work for any company and location within France. So it's not restricted to the company. This also allows me to even work like French overseas territories like Guadeloupe or Martinique, for example. But as I mentioned, there are other types of employment visas, you know, like there's research visas where you can come to France to work as a researcher in the academe. It's normally valid for maybe two to three years. And I have some colleagues, also ex-colleagues, who also moved to France for this called uh, temporary stay. Mm -hmm. They have a specific visa called Visa en Mission, which is like a mission visa. I don't know how to translate in English. but So this grants actually employees of French companies from overseas to be stationed in France for a specific period of time. So mm. this, this actually uh, allows them to, to work there. And it can be renewed up to, I think, uh, three times, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So for your case, you got, what was the name of your visa specifically again? It's called a uh, carte de séjour pluriannuel. Pluriannuel means like a uh, multiple years visa. Um, this is like the, the normal working visa for foreigners um, mm. who wants to stay in, in France for unlimited uh, period of time. Okay, in France or French territories. Is that yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Okay, so this visa, is it tied to your employer or is it an open job search visa? Fortunately, this, this visa is not tied to my employer. Wow. Yeah, so I can move to any other company within France on France territory at any time. So that's that was the advantage of this visa. But it actually took a, a bit of time to apply. But there's also another visa. I've listened to your previous podcast with uh, the French student who is currently working in France as well. I believe they have this visa, which makes it easier for foreigners since 2017, 2018. And this is called the Talent Passport, which means that as long as you're a skilled, no, you have a good education background, you're a skilled worker. And especially if you uh, were a student and moving into work, well, you were a student in France. So this is very similar to the normal permanent working visa, but it's mainly given to startups hiring foreign workers. It's a faster way and less bureaucracy. It's the advantage mm -hmm. of that passport. Okay, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Are you saying that it's not exclusively for students? Yeah, it's not exclusively for students. You can also, as long as you can find a company that would support you 
And this company is especially a startup, so they have like priority to apply for that, to give them, you know, like advantage in hiring foreign workers. But there is a bit of disadvantage with this visa because this one, you're tied to the company for at least two years. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, the main difference. But after the two years, you can basically move to another company using the visa. Okay. I think the gist of these two visas, correct me if I'm wrong, Nilha, pero yung... Kumbaga, whatever of these two visas you choose, whether it's the normal work visa which you have or the talent mm-hmm. visa, in the end, kailangan mo muna ng employer para makapag-apply ka for these. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so both visas need an employer to support you. You know, in France, it's uh, it's crazy. The bureaucracy is crazy. I think it's almost impossible to apply for your own working visa in France. Yeah. yeah, tell me more about that kasi later kasi narinig ko nga na medyo notorious ang France sa kanilang <laughs> bureaucratic processes. Yeah. Uh, parang taob pa ata yung Pinas but uh, yes, let's talk about that in a bit. So, Neil, what was uh what is the process for applying for this multiple entry permanent visa that you have and what documents did you need to apply for it yeah for so for my visa as a filipino passport holder so it's outside of eu so it's a bit complicated as i mentioned first there needs to to have the company support you but this company in france need to have a published job so the job post that you that you are filling in need to be posted for at least two months mm-hmm. this kind of proves that they are not able to find anyone with that skill set and experience locally. And so they're allowed to to hire a foreigner. I think this is required because there was a high rate of unemployment years ago. I don't know, like right now, post-COVID. So only then after they, they publish the, the, two, the, the job for two months, then they can start applying for my visa application. That took a while. Um, but there was a company, an immigration company that, that my company hired. They actually helped me with the process. The, the The process itself was not complicated. The actual apply application of the visa, it was not complicated. It's just mm-hmm. that the process on the bureaucracy side took a while. Okay, so what was the process itself that you underwent? So there were several documents that were required, like the diploma, the TOR, birth certificate, the CV, passport. The residency card where I was staying. So at that time I was in Singapore. So they needed that and all need to be translated to French. So, mm. and they have to translate it and the application needs to be valid within three months. Because in, in France, if your translation is outside of three months, then it's considered a, an invalid application. So you need to re-translate everything. That was the, the crazy part. That luckily in my side, the, the application went in within three months. So there was a f- also a form that I need to fill up with all my details. So as I mentioned, the, the immigration company helped me translate all my documents to French, and they, they guided me through the process. As I mentioned earlier as well, the actual process was not that complicated. So once I submitted all my documents, I just need to wait. It took around three to four months to get a confirmation that my visa got approved. Mm-hmm. So it was not that long. It was just the waiting part. In total, I would say like around six months because, you know, the job post for two months plus the waiting for the visa for three to four months. So I have to wait for that. But once you get the confirmation, they give you a temporary visa. So the temporary Mm -hmm. visa allows you to enter France and start to work. But you have to convert this temporary visa 
within a few months of upon arrival. Into your permanent visa, which you have now. Yeah, exactly. Ah, okay. That was a very detailed explanation. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate that. Yung residency card, no? Mm-hmm. The documents they asked of you were pretty standard. And these are documents that any other country would normally ask from yes. um, people applying for the work visa. Mm-hmm. Ang residency card, what is that? It's a proof of your address, but is it like a specific document or pwedeng mga me- yung mga bills ng ano mo utility bills mo sa bahay ganun I think it depends on the country like in Singapore because I was a permanent resident in Singapore so meron akong residence card to prove that I was residing in Singapore but mm-hmm. I think yeah like what you mentioned maybe if you are applying from the Philippines I think they would require you to give a proof that you are actually residing or maybe paying bills like utility bills Mm-mm. Probably that. I'm not 100% sure, but it's probably that. Anyway, we don't have any proof that we are, if we're staying in the Philippines, you know, we have, we yeah. don't have any residency card. But for example, I don't know, in New Zealand, if you're staying there, maybe they give you some document that to prove that you're staying. Yeah, in New Zealand, they only ask for usually for, for utility bills. That is a main proof of address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my assumption would be that the residency card is just, you know, your proof of where you live mm-hmm. and utility bills, multiple of them would cover it. But guys, confirm pa namin to. The real answer is in the show notes. So just check that out. And for the translations, did you have to pay for those or your company paid for all of that? Yes, luckily my company paid for all that because mm-hmm. I can imagine you now you have a lot of documents. Uh, I think the TOR itself, like maybe, I don't know, five pages. Then you have the diploma, you have the your CV. I yeah. didn't pay for that, but I think if you didn't go through the immigration, maybe your company would pay for it or you, you personally would have to pay for it. Yes. So listeners, if you do get a job, it's more or less, I think the chances that the company will pay for most, if not all of the expenses are quite high. But in the event that you do have to pay for translations, we have links in the show notes for Alliance Francaise in Manila and Cebu. Mm-hmm. And they offer translation services for, I think, a cheaper price at pinagkakatiwalaan sila ng French government. Yeah, exactly. I think you need translation service that is recognized by the French government. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it will, it will probably be still invalid. Mm-mm, hindi pwedeng yung mama mo lang ang mag-translate. Yeah. <laughs> or Ganon. Google Translate mo lang. <laughs> Oo, hindi pwede. Bawal-bawal. Okay. <laughs> Have there been any changes that you're aware of with these uh, processes or the documents since COVID happened? I don't think they they changed the process or the requirements changed. But I heard that during COVID, especially maybe 2020, they were stricter. Or the process took longer because I had some friends from my previous company who was supposed to come here on 2020 because of COVID. You know, the visa was delayed until like 2021. So, yeah. So I don't think that the process changed. It's just the, the process duration probably took longer than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Because, well, people are working from home or I yeah. think there's more communication problems if 
in the time of COVID, which is understandable. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when the first year of COVID, I believe it's 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> really, lost my dates since, since COVID. Mm-hmm. A lot of the agencies in, in France closed down, don't, don't even go to the office. So that probably also contributed to the longer duration. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Neil, ano yung mga, what are the more in-demand skills there? What would give our kababayans a better chance of uh, heading to France on a work visa? Maybe it's a bias because I work for tech. So mm-hmm. I would say tech. And I believe sciences are also in-demand. You know, like I mentioned research. Mm-hmm. If you're into scientific research, they're actually quite in-demand as well. And these are also industries that are more open to non-French speakers, I would say. In the beginning, I didn't speak any French. Mm-hmm. I, I don't rec- recommend that you move to France without knowing any French. <laughs> oh, I, I yeah. mean, not learning French when you come to France is it, not so good. But there, these industries like tech, they're, they're open. The companies are open to non-French speakers because they want to be more international, I would say. Yeah. The work, the the people, they, they speak good English. Mm-hmm. But you will still struggle during lunch, you know, especially if you're working with very French people. During lunch, they probably just don't care and talk to each other in French. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's really important to at least know a few words. Yeah, exactly. that, Yeah, in the country you're going to move to if they're not speaking English. But that is a good segue, Neil, to my next question, which is, are there a lot of English-speaking jobs there? What if I don't know how to speak French, but I want to work there? Are there a lot of jobs in uh, Paris or in France that give me an opportunity? Yes, in startups, they don't even require French. When you look at in LinkedIn and you look at startups in France, those job posts would be in English. The first thing you see is like, you know, the job posts will not even be in French. And in the requirements, they will not put like French as a requirement. So those are really good opportunities for non-French speakers. For other industries, it could be quite strict with the language, especially if you're dealing with jobs like client-facing jobs. Yeah. They will probably definitely require you to to speak a good level of French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very encouraging to know that there are a lot of English-speaking jobs there, especially in startups. Yeah. Well... I think that's the dream of a lot of people to be able to work in a startup and yeah. to create something out of scratch. But Neil, if we want to look for jobs based in France, is LinkedIn the best job search website for that? Yes, LinkedIn is one of probably the best way, especially in, in France, they, they use LinkedIn a lot. In my company, when we're looking for people, we also use LinkedIn, especially like if we're looking for people outside of France, we, we look into LinkedIn profiles. There are some other job search platforms, but it's not as as used as LinkedIn. Yeah. So I would recommend definitely to update your LinkedIn profile you know, and search for <laughs> companies and jobs uh, through LinkedIn. Okay, guys, it is time for us to update our LinkedIn profiles. Diyan lang pala eh. So, yes, let's uh, clean up our LinkedIn profiles and make it shiny for all of these French startup companies and any other French companies that are looking for outside talent. Yeah, thank you for that tip. We are going to talk about the culture after this short break. Hi, I'm Neil Dimapilis. Come listen to my podcast called 5-Minute Social Media Tips with Neil. 
In this podcast, I'll be sharing tips, tricks, and strategies on social media in a span of 5 minutes. Available in all major podcast platforms. Powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Alright everybody, welcome back to the show and we are here with Neil Matiliano who has been in France since 2016 on a work visa. He is the head of QA of a fintech company. Neil, let's talk about the culture and all. So when you moved to France, what were some of the biggest things that you know, came as a shock to you? So the biggest one was definitely the language. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the biggest hurdles that you need to pass moving to France. Mm-hmm. But maybe another one is the there is a stereotype of French people being snob, cold, or being indifferent, um, <laughs> which 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 is a norm. Which is, I think, it's a it could be a valid um, stereotype, but it's definitely because they don't like talking to people, but because they are not comfortable speaking. English compared to you know their, their the neighbors like Germany or the Netherlands where you got people who are more comfortable expressing themselves in English. Yeah. So definitely language would be um, one of the culture shocks for me. It's not really a culture shock, but it's something that I still I mean now I am able to 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 speak French, but in the beginning it was really a struggle for me because if you don't even try at least greet them in French, they will not be you know that nice. Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, coming from Philippines and Singapore, when you enter a shop, you'll actually get rude treatment if you don't at least greet them like in French. So so normally uh-huh. the first thing you say is not to ask them directly um, about something, something like, ah, do you know if you have something like this? First, you have to greet them like say, uh, bonjour. And when you leave, you say merci or bonjour. Actually, those like very simple <laughs> French greetings will get you a much better and warmer treatment. <laughs> mm, okay. So rule number one, respect. Magsabi ng yeah. bonjour at merci. Mm. Okay. Well, yes, it's true that there is a stereotype among mm. uh, French people, especially Parisians, na medyo snobby nga daw sila. But mm. as you point out, it really is uh, because of the language barrier primarily and... Bonjour yeah. and merci go a long way. Uh, yeah, so another culture shock, how restaurants staff serve their customers. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about that before, but in, in Asia uh, mainly, and or even in the U.S., the, the customers are considered like you know, kings and queens. So, you know, like mm. the customer is always right. So, so in our experience in Asia, uh, in the U.S., it's not entirely rude to call them directly, you know, to ask for your order or to follow up if the order takes a long time. Well, in France, you cannot do that or you should never do that. Really? So that's one of the things that, yeah, I actually learned the hard way. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> restaurant employees in France, are they're paid at least a minimum wage. So they don't live off through tips. So not like, you know, in the U.S., you have to give at least 15% tips. Yeah. In fact, in France, it's not required to give tips at all. So unless you, you, you are a regular patron, you just want to give them, you know, you know them. So it's, it's okay to give tips. But the worst part is that if you call them because you already want to order, then it will be seen as rude So for them. So the more that you call them, say, excuse me, hey, hey, the more that they will try to ignore you, you know. Oh, uh, but- yeah, we, we didn't know this, uh, this before coming to, to, to France. Um, oh. And I'm used to doing it, which I'm ashamed right now, too, uh, to be honest. <laughs> 
but how do you call their attention if it's like taken too long and you want to order? Yeah, so so this is the the trick. First, you 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 go to the restaurant not in a really empty stomach, so you don't you know you don't get crazy waiting for your order. <laughs> okay. So so that's the first thing you need to do. So you enter the restaurant, you sit at the table, and they give you the menu. When you're ready to to order, you close the menu to signal that you have chosen your order. Right. The best thing that you can do to get their attention is to get eye contact. Mm. So and have them acknowledge that you are ready to order. So so you just try to find someone and get an eye contact. And when you see each other, they will actually acknowledge. They will like uh, do a nod to to know that you're ready. Mm-hmm. So so that's the, the the best way to acknowledge. And also never follow up for your order. So you know, <laughs> never ask them like, oh, it's been 10, 20 minutes. No, where's the food? That, that You'll probably get like, I don't know, some additional stuff on your food if you do that. Oh. I, I don't know, you know what I'm saying. So yeah. So the best, the best way is to order maybe a drink because it comes very fast. And enjoy the drink mm-hmm. while waiting for your, for your food. Wow, talagang the nuances talaga of another culture, no? It's very different from ours. For us, it's polite to say, excuse me, order na po, yeah. pero sa kanila hindi. hindi. It's rude. Okay. Yeah. And what if, uh, sorry, I'm so interested in this, Neil. So what if, example, kumakain ka na, tas wala ka ng tubig. How can you tell them na, pangin namang text? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. As, yeah, so you, you do the same. Um, you just wait for maybe a waiter to pass by or a server to like look at your table and then mm. you can ask them for more water. Yeah. You, so you okay. just hold uh, the pitcher and then they would know that you need more water. Normally, they, they would know. Okay, and that's not rude to just look at them and then hold a glass in your hand, an empty glass saying, hey. No, no, it's water. not. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, they, they probably get uh, what, what, what you need. Okay, okay. I see. Wow, wow. Interesting. Very different from us. And yeah. how hard was it to actually navigate the country without learning the language? How long did it take you to finally be fluent? Definitely it was hard because when we moved... We have maybe one family, Filipino family contact that came before us, um, but otherwise we didn't have any other contacts. So in the beginning, it was hard to to figure out. But, you know, living in Paris, now it's more, I would say, tourist friendly. So they would have signs that in English, in the restaurants, they would have menus in English right now. 2000, back in 2008, I got refused to tell me, no, try the other restaurant. 
you know, it was really rude. The first time I was like asking them, like, do you have an English menu? And they said, like, I'll try another restaurant. <laughs> At oh, the, the time, I was really shocked. I think it took me two years to really start getting comfortable with uh, speaking French. But, you know, when I moved here, I told them, I told myself that if I don't learn the language in the first two years, I probably will not learn it. You know, I will not have that motivation. Mm. So I really forced myself to, to do it, to, to learn the language. I study every after work and, and the weekends as well. So around, I, mean, I would say comfortably, it took me around two years to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Two years. Yeah. by studying and also being exposed to yeah. the language every day. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners, if you do want to learn a new language, but you don't have anybody to talk to in that language, it's just really important to set aside a time each day to study. I personally am learning French and I use Duolingo after dinner mm -hmm. every day. So just really establishing a study routine will help you very quickly learn as well and prep you if you do move to another country that's not speaking in English primarily. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend Duolingo. I think it's really helpful. And there's one um, platform called italki, which will also, uh, this one is more in a practical way where you can find someone like a community teacher or just someone to practice your French. That site I also recommend. It's, it's quite helpful. Italki. It's a um, website. Yeah, it's a website. Okay, nice. We'll put that link in the show notes for anybody who wants to try that out. Neil, so how different was the culture, the, the working culture rather, in there versus your experience in the Philippines and in Singapore? Definitely very different. <laughs> mm. In Asia, both in the Philippines and Singapore, you know, we have this mentality that if you work fewer hours, you are not doing much or not very productive. <laughs> so we try to actually stay in the office longer and, yeah. you know, sometimes... We make sure that we don't leave before our boss bosses leaves. So we, we have to see, okay, oh, <laughs> in France, if you work longer, means that you are not as efficient. I mean, people will see you not as efficient or that you are overloaded. So that could only mean those two things. No, you're overloaded. And being overloaded, it can lead you to getting a discussion with HR to make, make sure that your work condition is optimal or that they can do want to make sure that they don't want to get into trouble because work unions are very strong in France mm. and I think other parts of Europe as well. So the companies make sure that they don't get in trouble or they will actually receive heavy fines and sanctions from the government. Oh, talaga? Yeah. <laughs> That's the advantage. <laughs> wow. So, so you can say that there's better work-life balance for you there. Yeah, definitely. Even like no work related emails and calls after work, especially as a manager, because I manage a team, I cannot contact my any team member outside of office hours for work. I can get reported and they can report me Wow! and I can get into trouble and the company can get into trouble. But it doesn't mean you can't work overtime. If you have some, I don't know, like really big problems, then you can request for overtime, which rarely happens. There is a maximum number of hours per week that you're allowed to work. So, for example, if you work late in some of the days, then you're allowed to start work late in other days or finish early. Wow. Wow. Okay, good. It's I didn't know that 
they also value work-life balance there. For some reason, I thought na medyo workaholic din ang mga French at that they also do overtime. So it's good to know that work-life balance is quite good there as well. It could be sometimes company-based, uh, uh, depends on the company. But in general, the the law uh, is pro-employee, I would say. Good. Is it right? Jaan ba yung there's a law that actually forbids managers from contacting their colleagues after hours? Yeah, we 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 have a law that here in France. I think it's not only in France. Maybe I think there are also other countries in Europe that implement that law. But yeah, in France, you're definitely after office hours. It can be illegal. I mean, you can do that. But if the person that you're contacting to doesn't like it and report you, then you might you will get in trouble. <laughs> oh nga. okay. Wow. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's not a law here in New Zealand, but it's just an unspoken rule that you don't contact anybody, any colleagues about work after hours. Mm-hmm. And the same ran here as in France, where if you work late, it just probably means that you are not efficient and you're not good at managing your workload. Yeah. Neil, how different is uh, your standard of living there versus in Philippines in terms of the social net that you have? I would say it's higher, also very different in a very positive way, I would say. Healthcare benefits in France, I feel, is, is one of the, the best in the world. But although we have around 20% of reduction in our salary for social security, but the benefit is, is really good. It's outstanding. So you know, we get free medical benefits, including hospitalization, dental, psychological, physiotherapy. You even get a 500 euro stipend every two years to get a pair of like, glasses. Wow. Yeah, or contact lenses if, if you want. Mm-hmm. You can also get unemployment benefit of up to two years if you get fired, which is really hard to, to do in France. I even have friends, locals who enjoyed unemployment benefits during COVID, you know, because other company didn't um, make it. So they, they were able to get the unemployment benefit, but they're still able to travel during this time, you know, or enjoy eating yeah. at restaurants, you know. And also the companies give you a lot of ed- additional benefits you now because the government requires them to. So like they don't have a choice. <laughs> Example would be the meal allowance, I would say. So if a company don't have their own restaurant or cafeteria, they are required to give at least eight euros per day for meal allowance. Otherwise, their cafeteria is subsidized, which is like really good as well. Wow. It's, it's really good. <laughs> uh and we also get at least 50% transport allowance monthly. So you get subsidized. Like in Paris, it's very convenient to take the public transport. So the company should and they're required to give you to pay at least 50% of that. So that's also an advantage uh, compared to when I was in Singapore, where I have to pay like maybe almost double than what I'm paying every month here in terms of just the, the transport. And at the end of the year, companies give give you some you know gift checks that you can buy stuff like an Amazon, Disney, or, or some electronics, for example. So wow. that's uh, one of the advantage. And this one is not common in France, but like in my company, I was given like a free two-way flight ticket to anywhere every year. So wow. yeah, so I, I have that kind of benefit, which is uh, kind of like extra and special. Wow! Anong company yan? Maka-apply nga. Gusto ko rin ng, ano, ng all-expense-paid travel. These are amazing benefits. So you get, of course, your 
uh, free healthcare or at least parang uh, discounted mm-hmm. healthcare and you get an unemployment benefit for up to two years if you get fired or mm-hmm. if you're just if you just don't have a job in general yeah but to apply you need to have a proof that you know maybe the company downsized and you get affected or you get fired or there's actually a way where you negotiate with your company come into an agreement it's called rapture contract conventionnel which is like yeah basically a rapture of the contract mm-hmm. uh, and you agree and then you can leave not being fired but with that agreement and then you can still apply for the the benefit okay i see yeah wow you have that and the monthly allowance that you get is it equivalent to the salary that you get in this job that you have been fired in or is it lesser i don't exactly know because i haven't tried it yet oh, <laughs> <But> okay <laughs> i've I, this is what i've heard is probably around 80 percent of your salary mm. so which is not too bad if you're not really working oh wow ang ganda. okay and you also personally get benefits from your company because the government requires each and every company to give benefits to their yeah, employees exactly no wonder everybody there is healthy and happy question yeah. mark <laughs> I haven't mentioned, but we have a lot of annual leaves because it's also required by the government. So the minimum for a company is 25 days a year. Wow. So that's the minimum. And companies, uh, bigger companies uh, who have working unions, they normally have, especially for the professional levels, like your contract is kind of like a professional level, you get additional 10 to 12 days a year in addition to the 25 yeah so yes that's also a really good advantage yeah and how about maternity leaves how long is that it's four months four months but if you've been working for at least a year i think yeah at least a year you can actually extend your maternity to up to one year but the amount after four months will be paid by the government so it would be a bit less i don't know how much exactly but i mean you you still get some money but you are also assured of your job, so they cannot fire you. Your job has to be available for you when you come back. That is fantastic, and it's the same here. So you also get a one-year maternity leave, and that job that you left, it's still yours mm-hmm. when that paternity leave is over. Yeah, It feels very secure for the person who um, gets this benefit. Yeah, exactly. Neil, we have talked about all of the good things in France, but... Earlier, you mentioned to me the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that downside? The downside is there are a lot of bureaucracy as a foreigner that you would probably encounter in the first year, uh, mostly, especially when you're renewing your, your visa. So what happened, and this is just a personal experience. I don't know if it happened to everyone, but... As someone who has a permanent contract, I have to go through all the seminars and workshops required by the government for me to to apply for my for my renewal. I need to go through all the cultural workshops, which like like goes for one day. I have to go through a hundred hour French lessons, which is good, it's free, but uh-huh. it's only given on a Saturday and it starts from nine a.m. to five p.m. So you know, <laughs> you really get brain freeze at the end of the day. I literally got headaches. At the end of the day, because you whole day listening to French, it, it was. Yeah. And during the time when I have to renew, because when I moved to France, we were living in the suburbs. So I have to apply in a, they call it a prefecture. 
I don't know how to really translate it, but it's uh, the the suburbs, the basically the municipality in the I guess the municipio, <laughs> where uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, like that is in your area, and mm-hmm. because they were outside of Paris, they don't have online reservation to reserve you to to go, so we have to queue, and the queue starts at 6 a.m. Oh gosh! And that time I have to renew. My first renewal was after one year because they, they first give you the permanent one, but it's one year. And then you can get the five, four or five years, four to five years. That time I renewed my visa during winter. So I have to be outside from 6 a.m. And they open at 8.30. Gosh. When I was there, I was already queuing and they already have like 20, more than 20 people before me who was there before I arrived. When we came in. It was not that clear what were the documents required, what should be given. So some people can get in, some people don't. So it, it was uh, crazy. It was not that clear. And you are required to speak French, which doesn't make sense because you just came into the country and most of the people queuing there were foreigners. Yeah. So when you get into the counter and they tell you to everything in French and I say like, oh, sorry, I don't speak French. And said, it's like, I, I don't care. You just, they just continue to speak to you in French. <laughs> that was terrible. I mean, it was, uh, was crazy. Yeah, I did hear, even from people I know who relocated to France, that the bureaucratic processes there are quite difficult. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they take ages, ages to give you what you want or yeah. whatever document you require. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's the that's the thing here. There is a good and bad side uh, because there are a lot of bureaucracy, so they're not that strict in the immigration process, I would say. So I have a friend who got his visa expired because he was waiting for it for six months and it, it didn't give it. So oh he had like six months expired visa, but it was okay. They, he just have to wait for it. They will give you like a temporary one called uh, LCPC. It's renewable for every three months. So they have to go back again to the prefecture, queue again. Wow. The, the, it's, it's terrible. I, can't, I couldn't imagine doing that. I only did on my side, at least I was a bit more lucky. I only did it once to queue for my renewal. Yeah. And I wasn't able to ask you this earlier, no. But when your visa was approved, you were given a temporary visa first. Mm-hmm. And you had to transition or to convert that into a permanent visa. What yeah. did you have to do to make it a permanent visa? And did you have to give any other documents? And what were the timelines? When I arrived, I got a uh, like a summon, a notice from the prefecture that I have to go there to register. And then when I went there, I have to bring the temporary visa that they gave me. And then I have to also bring all the translated documents. So when I went there, they took all the documents. Then I didn't know I have to go through a medical check right at the prefecture. So I wasn't prepared for that. So after that, I went through like a short seminar about all the requirements that I need. So the, the workshops that I mentioned, mm-hmm. they, they gave me all the documents to fill up for all the workshops. And they told me that if you don't do all these workshops, you'll not be able, they will they will give you right there the, the permanent visa, but it's still one year valid because they want to make sure that you go through all the seminars. So, oh. yeah. So even though I'm like, uh, it was a permanent visa for me, 
but I have to go through the summers to get the renewal, the actual longer visa after one year. Oh, okay, okay. So the process was when you got to France, mm-hmm. you, I assume, were given like lodgings, siguro, or you were able to find an apartment, and that's the ad- the address used to summon you. Yes, the company is required to, especially if they're transferring you. You have a relocation allowance. They have to give you two weeks of lodging. Mm, okay, and that's when you got your someone don't yeah. the prefecture. Okay, exactly. I understand. So they'll come find you, and you do you don't have to panic. Na, uy, wala pa yung ano someone sa akin. Yeah, okay. they, they, they will probably know because once you before you arrive to France, you you have to register through your company where you're staying. Mm, okay. Okay, all right. That makes sense. And how long was this temporary visa for? Um, the temporary visa was only good for three months maximum. Mm, uh, okay. so, so just waiting for your summon. Uh, and then once you got the summon, you will be given one year. Yeah. And then convert it after one year, then the renewal is four years. Okay, all right. That makes it crystal clear. Hey there! If you're a big fan of Suits, How to Get Away with Murder, Law School, or even good old forensic files like we do, then The Courtroom Podcast will surely be your next favorite show. Prepare to be entertained, thrilled, and informed as we delve into real-life cases, landmark rulings, and true crime based on actual Supreme Court decisions. Sounds cool, right? Then do check it out after listening to this podcast. See you at The Courtroom! Is there any other thing about the country? Again, we talked about the good things. We talked about the bad thing, which is the bureaucracy. Is there any other thing about France that you want to tell us? I think one of the things is the culture of going on strike. I think that's Mm. really interesting for me uh, when I came to France. Yeah, do tell. A few years ago, there was the Yellow Vest strike, which is like a, a big strike from different organizations and different people asking for you know, more benefits from the government or better working conditions. So there is this culture of going on strike, I would say. <laughs> they even have an app, an application for that. It will tell you what are the upcoming demonstrations or strikes, <laughs> when it will happen, where it will happen, if it's a major or minor one, for example. So, yeah, so, so this is, for me, was uh, was really different. It was a bit shocking in a cultural perspective. I know in the Philippines, we, we go on strike, but here is like they, they really know when to stand up for their rights. So, which is a, a culturally, I think, and cultural perspective, it's a good thing. The biggest one I experienced was a transportation strike. And it went mm-hmm. for more than a month. So wow. it was basically uh, months before the first lockdown of COVID. <laughs> so, so now all the trains and the buses were not running for, at, or at least running in a very limited capacity. So I have to walk for an hour to the office, like one Gosh. going there and then one hour back. It was not too bad because it was, I think, autumn before winter. So, so it was pleasant to walk, but imagine walking <laughs> One hour to, to get to the office uh, every day for a month. It's it was not very fun. Uh, it yeah. was not that enjoyable towards the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so that it's it's one of the things that I would say not the best of being French or of France. Uh, good and bad, I would say. Yeah. The other thing is in terms of the perception of drinking. This one is also something very interesting for me. 
you know, I would say that in the Philippines, when you say, oh, inuman tayo, when people ask to go for drinks, you will expect like people will get drunk. Mm-hmm. But in France, it's not. It's it's kind of like part of their culture. Like if they invite you to go to a bar, it's more to socialize mm. than to get drunk. So, you know, alcohol, like wine or beer, it's it's for them to be able to socialize and you know, to to be more comfortable talking. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think it's it's the way for you to get into like social circles in France. So yeah, to meet your colleagues outside of work and to to know them in a more intimate way, I would say. So it's it's the way for them to to do that. Alcohol, the great social lubricant. So <laughs> alcohol is really the way to socialize with people and. Yeah, I did hear that strikes are very, very common in France. There yes. apparently not a day goes by without a strike happening yeah. somewhere in France. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it seems to me that this that France is a place that you are going to stay long term in. Is that correct? Yes. We recently bought an apartment. So wow, we're definitely congrats. gonna stay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we're gonna definitely stay longer. For a long time. Wow, which um, which are in this month, if I may ask. Um, we bought just in the suburbs. Uh, we used to mm. live in the fifth arrondissement, uh, <gasps> which is not too far from Notre Dame. Mm-mm. But you know, the prices inside Paris is crazy. So, so we decided to buy in the suburbs. It's not too far. It's like twenty minutes by by public transport to get into the center of Paris. Oh. Yeah, that's not that's not bad. Okay. Wow, congratulations. So I uh, I think the grass is greener there. Is it right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely greener, especially what I mentioned with the social benefits that you receive, you know, the the rich culture that you get immersed in. And in fact, you can live modestly even with a with the view of the Eiffel Tower, you know, every night. Or mm-hmm. you can eat croissant or pain chocolat every breakfast without burning holes in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I did hear that every neighborhood has its own boulangerie. Yes. And yeah, where you can just buy your uh, 6am baguette na pwede mong kainin sa, sa dulo. Pwede mong kainin yung dulo habang naglalakad ka. As we yeah. talked about in uh, our student visa episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much, Neil, for sharing all of this with us. Thank you. It's my, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, and for anybody who wants to know more about you well your links are in our show notes so guys if you do want to follow neil just check out the show notes that we have again thank you for listening to us if you like this podcast just follow us on facebook instagram tiktok send us an email send us an audio message buy us a coffee and just reach out to us if you have any requests or questions for neil Thank you, everyone, and see you in the next two weeks. I am Kring Lakson with Neil Matiliano, and this is The Greener Side. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.